Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. The podcast for you to learn about the autism spectrum, learn what it's like for someone like me to live on the spectrum, and what marriage is like between two people on the spectrum. Hello everyone, welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. I'm your host, Forrest, and with me, finally, after weeks... After weeks of trying to do this, I have with me KG. Hello. <laughs> um, so I was planning on doing this episode weeks ago. Uh, but then like a lot of stuff uh, like came up, like our trip to Green Bay, for example. I decided to do an entire episode on that. Yep. And did a couple of uh, more personal solo episodes. They basically like crossed my mind and I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not pushing this off. So... I've been wanting to do this episode for a while, and we finally are. It's going to be as productive as the one about movies, or as productive as the one about music. music. Uh, This time, it is about video games. Now, KG, tell the microphone. Tell the microphone how often you play video games. Depends on what you classify as a video game. The answer is, she actually doesn't much. I play online games. Yeah. Those hidden object games. Yeah. Casual, casual video games. When you and I were dating, we actually did that fairly often. Yeah. We played uh, games online that were like, um, sort of those like mystery Nancy Drew-like games. Yeah. Casual games. Mm Mm-hmm. We beat one too. I remember that. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, what's funny is that if you couple together all the hours that it took to beat that game, it was only a few hours long, if even that. Yeah. Um, but you do what a, like what a lot of kids do these days, where you watch like playthroughs. Yeah, because I don't want to pay for all the different games I want to watch because some of them are old or region locked. <laughs> um, old as in there you can't really access them anymore. Yeah, mm. you know, 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. or region locked. Yeah, although you'd be surprised what you can find in, like, the PlayStation Store or the Xbox nah, Store. Not these. These are based... No. The ones I... These games I, base, I watch are basically, like, fans translated it and created an English patch for the Japanese game. Oh, never mind. This rabbit hole actually goes deeper than I thought. Uh, that's fine. Uh, growing up, I was a video game addict, and I think I even said in an episode, in an earlier episode of the podcast, that I completely, uh, turned down my dad for a father-son bonding time to go sledding and, um, stayed at home and play the original Battlefront 2. So, yeah, great story. Happy ending. (laughs) Um, but my parents practically, like... My parents practically dis- disciplined the video game addict out of me. That's why you don't really... I th- I kind of point that, that that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't play video games nearly as much today. Makes sense. You know, like, I have a PlayStation 4. I want to get a PlayStation 5, but I am stuck with the PS4 for now. I've had it for, like, almost five years. And I have a stack of games I haven't finished yet that I've only just recently um, motivated myself to get back into and finish playing. So I am currently going through Ghost of Tsushima, which is a fantastic game. It's a beautiful looking game, um, really compelling story, great fluidity with the combat and everything. Uh, it's great. So hope- I had a Game Boy. 
with like five ga- with like five games on it, and they were mostly Pac-Man. I had the original Xbox. That was my very first gaming console. My first console was the Wii because everybody wanted a Wii back then. I still remember their commercials. Do you remember their commercials? Vaguely. Where the two guy- Japanese guys just came up and and said, "Do you want to play?" <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how like the Wii. It, it was such a big thing back then, and now, uh, now it's nothing. No, it's still a thing. Nothing. It's just that it got replaced by the Switch. Yeah, I know. Like, it's still a thing, obviously, but you never see people talk about it anymore. I mean, they talk about it in relation to how well it's sold. Sure, true. Yeah, but... But that's, that goes for every gaming console in the past. Yeah, except for a few. Right, well, like, you get what I mean. Yeah. Like, people still talk about gaming consoles of the past. Yeah, um, my grandparents got it for me for my birthday. Mm. That's why I was able to take it away from my family, because legally, it was mine. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my middle brother was given a Wii when he was younger. Um, except, I don't know what my parents were thinking, but uh, it came with the game Sonic Unleashed. Oh. Which, if you're a big Sonic fan, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog fan, those who are listening... Um, Sonic Unleashed is actually considered one of the worst Sonic video games ever created. It's gotten a better rep recently. I'll be honest with you, I kind of liked it. No, it's okay (laughs) to admit that because the daylight stages were the best part. Yeah, oh yeah. Those were fantastic. Yeah. You know what, I also liked liked the soundtrack. It was a good soundtrack. I liked the the song during the end credits. I might have listened to that multiple (laughs) times. It wasn't Ew. in this possibilities, was it? Yeah, it is. Oh, it, it is. Was. okay. Yeah, that that was the one. My God, you're a Sonic nerd. I know. If, I we, know. I know the lore. We saw this. We saw the Sonic movie in theaters. We saw both Sonic movies in theaters. Yeah. And you were excited at the post-credit scene of Sonic Two. Yeah. <laughs> Ho- mostly because I'm hoping that that guarantees us an R-rated Shadow the Hedgehog spinoff. I don't know. Would you take like? hard pg-13 probably i know they can do it yeah (laughs) and that that's technically the kind of background that shadow comes from well even more recently like um across the spider-verse and um just more animated movies recently that are pg have been leaning more hard and more hard into like blurring the line between pg and pg-13 so maybe they'll do something similar with the third sonic the hedgehog movie yeah sure uh video games that really like um impacted me growing up or video games that like uh were very special to me um you guys are gonna think this list is weird but um obviously the original lego star wars games were big ones those were fun yeah uh when i was a kid when my dad had a playstation one i did like playing uh twisted metal the funny thing is i i kind of look back on it now and i'm like meh you know, we used things. to have a PlayStation 2, but we gave it away at a garage sale because no one played it. And then I re- and then I got into video games later in life, especially and, re- and realized how much <laughs> how much you could have had with that PS2. Yeah, like no, <laughs> especially yeah. Silent Hill 2. Mm, that was a PS2. That's a big game. one. That was a big one for you. That was a PS2 game. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, no. We're getting that remake. Again, that remake. Eventually. That Silent Hill 2 remake. Eventually. Silent Hill's making a comeback with its universe. Yeah, although I haven't checked in to see how many of those games are have been put on hiatus or if they're even coming out at all because they really, they announced like five. Yeah. But I guess I suppose we'll have to check to see like how many are still like on go- coming out. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, so here's actually a good aspect to talk about. So you, you really like old games, but you've gotten frustrated as of late with how they're retranslated when they're remade. So take the Silent Hill 2 remake, for example. That looks good. It looks, it looks good. It looks like it's... It looks like it's just going to be, you know, okay. the game... With a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, it, it looks like it's just going to be the same game repolished, yeah. you know, to look like a, I don't know, a 2023 or 2024 video game, depending on when this comes out. But then... But the problem, is, the problem I'm worried about is that because of the technical limitations of the PS2 back in the day, um, all of the weird game mechanics that would... that to to a modern audience would seem like clunky or mm-hmm. unpolished or or you know rough actually helps contribute to the game's atmosphere like the clunky controls of the care of the main character mm-hmm. it it makes you feel like you're not really in control so fighting feel so fighting is less of like the main thing you need to do and more like a more like the last option you ever want to do because mm-hmm. it's just so hard to control the main character which helps into oh more, I gotta run. I can't try to fight. If I try to fight this person, it's not gonna go well. So it it favors more running. And then of course there's the um the fog that's in the game, mm-hmm. which was done, which is actually done to mask the draw the horrible draw distance of the graphics popping in as you moved. Mm-hmm. But it elevated the atmosphere so well because you could not see anything. True, but so I, what I'm hoping for is that they keep. Is that they try to? Is that they keep the fog and maybe keep the clunkiness of controlling the main character? They seem to get Resident Evil Two right with yeah, this remake because that was that also that was also that a game complete, with very that, limited space. But that is also so. a completely different horror horror um, experience with Resident Evil. And I wrote a whole paper about this for my senior seminar. Resident Evil is all about feeling. Is all about action. You mm-hmm. want to feel like you're in control. You can shoot the zombies; it's fine. You're, yeah. you're in control. Sure, they limited a little bit by you know giving you limited ammo and making you and limited resources to heal yourself, so that you kind of have like a, oh, I, okay, I, got, I can't just rush into things. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Silent Hill Two, it's all about the atmosphere, and you are just an everyday person who does not know how to fight. There are monsters everywhere. You just need to run. Mm. So completely, and it, and it's also much more story driven than Resident Evil Two, sure, or any of the Resident Evil games. So it's all about it's more of watching a it's more of a movie than mm-hmm. Resident Evil is. Sure, um, you have games that you have games that were remade and just kind of given a fresh coat of paint, made to look like a modern uh, game while maintaining the integrity of the original story and all the different all the plot beats and characters and stuff like that and then you have the final fantasy 7 remake where they're just like we don't want to just remake the game we want to remake the game and i still don't get why i i i guess it's to distance itself from the small mini franchise final fantasy 7 created when it first came out like trying to distance itself from all that but it's like why did you have to split it up into three parts? The original could fit on one disc nowadays. Yeah, that part is true. Uh-huh. Um, Final Fantasy VII, the original, was one of the games that we also played a lot when we were dating. And it was fun. Yeah. We finished it. Well, kind well, of. Well, mostly. We, fi- we got through all the important parts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised, actually, that we managed to get that far. Yeah. Um, like, so the original Lego Star Wars games, um, 
and then the original Star Wars Battlefront games. No, you're going, and back, then was... you're going back into games that you played, not games that got remastered. No, I know. We can go back there. I just, oh. I was listing them earlier, and I then know, I got into they... this. I don't know how. Well, you, got, you can't just, like... I completely diverted. Yes. I completely diverted. Yes. So anyway, uh, Mercenaries 2, that was another game. Well, make sure that... you edit this before, the, before what, we, what we just talked about. Yes, I will. Okay. Uh, Mercenaries 2 was great because you were just a, a mercenary battling Venezuela. Okay. <laughs> and there was this whole entire, like, oil economy warfare going on. Makes which sense. was hilarious. Like, um, and then... I dedicated an entire episode to it, but The Last of Us, the first Last of Us, is one of the greatest video games I've ever played. Period. End of story. You cannot argue with it. No, I'm not arguing with that. <laughs> Even you, like, included that game in your paper. It's I like, did, yes, briefly. Yes, this game, it did, in fact, have an impact on the gaming industry in some way. Yes. Um, You know, I like, I loved that older stuff when I was a kid, like Super Mario Brothers and... Super Mario Galaxy was one of the first ones I got, first games I had for the Wii. Oh, okay. My, yeah. I can't remember who got it. I can't remember if it was my grandparents or my, or my parents, but they mm-hmm. also got me the guide, the guidebook. The big one? The like, big just one. The big one. Nice. The big one. Remember when you used to like just be able to go to the store and, you, and they had like these big guidebooks yeah. you can buy? Well, before that, there were manuals. Oh, my. For yeah. older games, that's how you learned how to play, and that's where all the story was because there was no because li- you couldn't put a story in an NES game. True, SpongeBob the Battle for Bikini Bottom. I remember <laughs> like the, that was. A, I remember the commercial for that. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty epic game when uh, I, I thought that was a pretty epic game when it I was a kid. They also got a remake. They yeah they they got a remake several years ago. I watched. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Ray Narvaez. Ray. Ray Narvez, I thought is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Anyway, he was long, long time ago. Uh, he was one of the members of Achievement Hunter from the company Rooster Teeth, and um, uh, he did play mm-hmm. the, um, the Battle for Bikini Bottom remake. No, I think it was PC actually. No, I meant on his Twitch. Yes. Yeah, on his Twitch. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's the exact same game, just remastered. I know. I'm and still you're mad like, about I, Final Fantasy VII. You're like, I don't understand why you can't just do remake, that. Remake Final know? Fantasy VII. Just remake it. That's all people wanted. I didn't want to know about the side characters who die five minutes into the game. Oh, no. Like, in the in this version, we, we're with these characters that die five minutes into the original. We're with these characters for, like, at least three or four hours. And I'm just like, <laughs> why? And also, why is Sephiroth showing up five minutes into the game? The whole point of the original was was to like subtly set him up and make him feel like an actual threat before you actually met him. I feel like we spent half the time playing that game where you were trying, you were debating whether or not to cover my eyes because <laughs> they they jumbled up all these different plot points from the from, from the, the game and set him way earlier yeah, and stuff like, like that. No! You're just like, um, um. <laughs> well, now we can finish it because yeah. you know we got through all the important stuff in the original. Yes. Let me just find the flash drive where I kept the file. Oh, we might have to start over. No, not that you would want to. (laughs) Or you. Actually, I would. Okay. As a matter of fact, I would. Okay. Because I have a higher tolerance for liberties taken. I'd be willing. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, oh, like... You didn't really play these much, but Kojima is a huge, like, inspiration to you when it comes to storytelling. I wouldn't say that. Kojima I... is a huge inspiration to you when it comes to 
the madness that humans are capable of. His, com- his stories can get really complex and yeah. over the top, but he's so cool. Is he the Elon Musk of gaming? Yes or no? I don't know. I'd say hey, I was. <laughs> I thought you'd have a lot more fun with that question. I don't. Well, what? Do you, <laughs> how like, do you categorize an Elon Musk? It's sort of that social that that socially awkward outcast type of guy with a whole lot of ideas. You mean Neil Druckmann? And there's a. <laughs> And there's a massive... Neil Druckmann isn't really socially awkward, though. Mm. He's actually just full of pride. Well, neither um, is Kojima. No, Kojima's kind of socially awkward. He can't speak English! It doesn't matter. What language he speaks doesn't matter. It's the fact that he's, like, he's very quiet. He's very, very quiet and withdrawn. That's most Japanese people. It's like uh, Montiome. Uh, Montiome wasn't really much for words. But whenever he did speak, it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're getting into the assumption that Japanese people don't talk much. No, I'm not getting into that at all. I'm saying that most of his public appearances outside of Japan are in English-speaking territories where he might not feel comfortable. Mm. Yeah, the most he had to say about um, the Death Stranding uh, sequel uh-huh. that um, is coming out soon, uh, the most he said was, I made a game. Hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't why don't you since stage. this is your show? Why don't you explain to the audience who may not who may not be familiar with the man known as Kojima? Explain who he is. Kojima is a uh, um, Kojima was was once is. Um, he's still alive. No, no, no. I know, but he was once um, part of the Konami cult. Um, don't phrase it like that. They're going to get the wrong idea. It doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> uh, he was once a member of the uh, Konami Cult, which was a uh, gaming company that um, was practically like if 1984 was actually a video game company. Well, they weren't back then when they first started. Well, they are now. Well, yeah, they are so... now, yes, but not back then when he first started there. Yeah, um... He, like, Kojima had a lot of, like, uh, a lot of ideas for the types of stories that he wanted to tell, particularly with the Metal Gear Solid franchise. Mm-hmm. And uh, and eventually Konami was like, no, we don't want you to do that. We want you to do this. And we want you to focus on this, not that. And it, it wasn't really Kojima's baby anymore after mm-hmm. a while. Um, so he uh, he essentially left. And yeah. he actually left, if I'm not mistaken, he left while one of the Metal Gear Solid games were still in like in the middle of production. It might have been that or it might have been r- shortly after. Mm-hmm. But the point is is that they uh, that usually on every Metal Gear Solid game it says a, H- a Hideo Kojima game. Mm-hmm. But they removed that from I, yeah, it was Metal Gear Solid 5. They mm-hmm. removed that from the box cover. Kojima not only wanted to kind of like cut himself off from Konami and like uh wipe his hands clean of that. Konami wanted to wipe their hands clean of Kojima, mm-hmm. you know, because it was just this em- it was honestly an embarrassing split up. Yeah. It's all I think it also had to do with the fact that he was becoming more popular than Ko- Konami itself. Yeah. Because of just his amazing storytelling and how he was able to translate it into video games. Mhm. Cuz he wanted to direct movies at first. Yeah. And you can tell mm-hmm. by looking at his games. Mm-hmm. So he left Konami and his... Res- well, it was all, well, right before... Even before he left, uh, there was the whole Silent Hills mm-hmm. thing that was going to happen where it was going to be him, Guillermo del Toro, and famous horror manga author 
uh, Junji Ito. We're mm-hmm. all going to work together on a Silent Hill game, and it was going to be the coolest thing in the hum- in human history. But unfortunately, we will never experience it. That's what PT was going to be, right? Yeah, PT just stands for playable trailer. Okay, so um, and, and they were the going end- to they they were going to cast Norman Reedus to play the main character in that. Yeah. And it would have been so cool, but unfortunately, it was it was just too awesome for our mortal minds to comprehend. So Konami had, so the universe had to stop it. Yeah. So after Kojima <laughs> left, he basically started Kojima Productions. It yep. was like his own independent company. Not to be confused with Kojima Productions. Yes. His studio <laughs> under Konami. <laughs> yes. And um, and uh, he made death stranding starring norman reedus and he also had guillermo del toro involved but no so, Junji ito sad no. face but he had guillermo del toro involved he even plays a character in the game mm-hmm. and the character is like modeled after him mm-hmm. which is pretty cool so he basically got to do most of what he uh, wanted to do after he left and death stranding is his baby and pretty much like and one of his biggest games yeah. also one of his most frustrating i've played it I think one That's of the game I should coolest, coolest Kojima Can moment, coolest Kojima <laughs> moment ever was when he won, um, I think best game producer for one of the Metal Gear Solid games, and Stan Lee gave him the award dressed up as one of his characters from Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> and it was the coolest thing ever. Right, right. There are some, there are some people within the industry who believe that they can be as good as kojima that's neil Druckmann, um the director of no, that you know Druckmann is definitely more of an elon musk because sometimes you're like yeah he's cool and other times you're like why why oh my gosh he frustrates me <laughs> not only yeah elon musk or Druck, neil Druckmann. neil Druckmann okay. is like oh he frustrates me with his decisions and some of the things he says um <laughs> Okay. Bunch well, he like no, no I'm not going to vent it all out, but um he was uh one of the lead developers on the first Last of Us game. He actually had this he had an entire like pitch for a story uh, thought up and he was um at the time he had people with him working with him who were like, "Whoa, slow down." No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but no. Um the uh the story of the first Last of Us game, you could in its entirety, you can actually give the credit to someone else. Someone else actually wrote the um, wrote the story, like figured all that out. And then the second game was completely directed by Neil and written by Neil. And um, he was he basically he fired <laughs> he let go of or fired everyone um, that told him no, that basically. told him no basically in the first game and hired a bunch of yes men, you know, and and so no one really like. No one really challenged him. No one really stood up to his ideas or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So he made the game exactly the way he wanted um, it to be made. And obviously it's... Controversial to it's say. It's controversial that. to say the least. At the very least, it's kind of split down the middle. It's it's like The Last Jedi of video games. I'd say The Last Jedi is worse because he went... Because Ryan Johnson went specifically into that, wanting to divide the fan base. Neil Druckmann just thinks he's Kojima reincarnated, even though Kojima's still alive. Right. Or the next Kojima, even though he's not. Right. So, I mean, I don't play video games as often as I used to. I I love a good video game. I know you love a good video game, even if you don't always uh, play it and you watch a playthrough. Now, to be fair, um, once in a while, I don't 
so much i don't as much anymore but like once in a while i uh i like to watch a good gaming playthrough but when i was growing up um i watched all those uh youtubers that you could uh, think of pewdiepie well i was going to actually start with tabuscus how far that man has fallen (laughs) um but uh i start like i watched him like way way back like in 2011 when um he mostly played Skyrim and Minecraft. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I uh, and then I found Markiplier and thought, oh my god, this guy's way better. <laughs> like, this guy's way better than Tobuscus. And I started watching Toby less and Mark more. Um, Markiplier's still good. He's still good. Uh, like, I, I, he's mellowed out a lot, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, years ago, like, he used to, like, just blow up and get really angry and mm-hmm. throw things and stuff like that, and I kind of liked that, but, um, it, it's good that he's, def- it's definitely good that he's mellowed out lately, yeah. and, uh, he's, he's coming gonna- out with a movie. Yeah, he is. He's coming out with a film, which is pretty insane. Um, it's called Iron Lung. Be sure to go see it, because I'll, I I want to support Markiplier. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, PewDiePie, like, not as much, though. Yeah. Um, and he's mellowed out a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Achievement Hunter, you know, yeah. obviously, like back when, uh, back when it was like, uh, Jeff, Gavin, Michael, Jack, and he who should not be named. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, good, good job catching yourself there. You know, Jeremy, Ray, mm-hmm. um, not Trevor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, like I really, I, I enjoyed that stuff a lot when they would like when they would just. My favorites were like anytime they were playing Minecraft or GTA Five. Yes, like those. Uh, My it was favorite videos is still stuff. when they were trying to jump all those buses uh-huh. and also dodge a plane. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it... <laughs> and Jack came in on the plane and knocked Jeff off, and you just hear screaming everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who was flying, but they crashed and everything. <laughs> everything exploded. just exploded. <laughs> start screaming <laughs> what a what a game that 10 years after its release gta 5 is still just kind of the essential gta game people yeah. still play it it's still updated it's still people still make mods for people it. still make mods for it and make videos of it it's crazy yeah you know it's really crazy um anyway yeah, so this was kind of the palate cleanser for um, considering that the last few episodes were just kind of more personal Wait, solo we didn't talk episodes. about the most important gaming series of all time. Castlevania. Yes. Yeah, you were going to throw that out there. Yeah. Castlevania. We, For the most part, we enjoyed the Castlevania Netflix series. Yeah. Not perfect, but it was pretty great. Yeah. It had all the important plot points from the games, so I was okay with it. We should actually talk just uh, for a second about video game film adaptations. Because, like... Well, I was also going to say... We have so many bad ones, but they're getting better. I also just want to say real quick, even if you don't like playing video games, you should definitely look up the Castlevania art. Mm. It is beautiful. Mm. It is way better than any video game should ever get, but it fits so perfectly, and it's such an iconic art style that I wish... I wish Castlevania still continued so that we could still get more of that art style, because it was just... It looked like it belonged in a museum. You've seen it before. I showed you pictures. Yeah. You I just would... imagine Indiana Jones saying, it belongs in a museum. It does. <laughs> You've seen how it is. It's not just, it's not just digital art. It's, it's hand-painted, hand-drawn. Mm-hmm. You can see the, paint, the paintbrush strokes mm-hmm. in the art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I mean, that that's kind of a, an example of a video game adaptation, though. Castlevania, the Netflix series. Yes. You know, that was an adaptation. Easily one of the best. Yeah. Even if it wasn't written by Castlevania fans. It, it was wasn't. still pretty good. But it was close enough. We had enough. And we only got one track from the games. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I was really hyped when I heard it. And I'm like, oh boy. And then it never happened again. We've watched one episode of Castlevania Nocturne so far. And yeah. haven't gotten further than that. We, we, well, we can't watch it Saturday because you'll be gone. Yeah, it's true. I, this Saturday, will be going and seeing Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah, it'll be fun. By the time you listen to this, it's already happened. All right. So I'm excited speaking for that. Of, speaking of video game adaptations, Mortal Kombat, the 90s movie. Good adaptation or no? It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It's always like a... But present. I knew you were going to co- corner me on that. <laughs> I know, but it's, it is a con- it is like a debatable topic of like, was that a good adaptation or not? Because, you know, it didn't have the blood and gore of the video game. No. But it was still, but it was fun and had really cool moments. Yeah, again, it was fun. It was like, a, it was a fun film. Um, there's, obviously, there's also the um, 1990s live action Super Mario Brothers film, which was awful. We do not speak of that I've one. I've watched it twice. <laughs> um, it's terrible. So you would it's... say that the new one is better. Yes, obviously it's more enjoyable, but I could probably, I would probably never watch it again. Unless, just, it's, with, unless it's with kids. I guess. But I would probably never watch it again. Like, it was, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't try to do, it doesn't try to do or be anything more than, like, a Super Mario title. Mm-hmm. And I like I like stuff that kind of tries to go a little bit above and beyond. Like even the Castlevania Netflix series tries to go a little bit above and beyond by not just um, giving us the characters and the setting and all the cool stuff that you see in the video games, but also like some. Um, I mean, there were so many scenes in this show where characters were just having philosophical debates. It was nice, and uh, and I liked that. I I enjoyed that. Um, obviously I, I brought it up in my episode about The Last of Us, but they did do a TV adaptation of The Last of Us, which I gave like a 7 out of 10 Neil Druckmann was also in charge of that one. He was. He was one of the directors. Um, and he basically told the story of the first Last of Us game the way that he would have liked to tell it had he had full control. And you're just like, you're just like watching it. And I can, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like... <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, the game story, the the way the game story is told is better. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some really cool additions that were made in the show that, you know, like, I can live with, that I can mm-hmm. roll with, and in some cases I thought were really cool. That uh, cold opening in mm-hmm. the very first episode was brilliant, mm-hmm. and um, I will always give them points for that. But the show was also directed by Craig Mazin, who directed... Um, Oh, oh no no I can't remember well, it was the it was the HBO show about the nuclear plant Chernobyl Chernobyl thank you oh my <laughs> god like I watched that um like mere months before The Last of Us premiered mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was incredible mm-hmm. so like what's another adaptation oh the Sonic movies we mentioned those yeah, they were fine yeah uh, do you think they tried to do a little do go above and beyond the video game no oh not really. I mean, aside from the fact that it's pretty directly tied into, like, Earth, our world, mm-hmm. you know, instead of Sonic's world, um, you know, that's to kind of, like, they they felt like they needed to connect to audiences. Still it's has one like, of the healthiest married couples I've ever seen in a, in a Hollywood film. Yeah, right. 
that's really saying something, uh-huh. honestly. Um, I was uh, I was gonna say that uh, it's kind of like the first Thor film when Thor doesn't have his powers for eighty percent of the film, and he's just on Earth because um, the uh, director and the writers felt like they needed to have Thor on Earth in order for audiences to like it. No, that's just part of the backstory. No, that like this was intentionally. But it's also part uh, of the backstory. Sure. But it was also intentionally <laughs> for the sake of trying to connect to audiences more. And, and they didn't want to go too crazy with all the, um, you know, just that Thor comic book stuff that Taika Waititi was willing, more than willing, to just lean completely into, at least in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. So um, a couple of uh, other adaptations that we've gotten. Um, uh, oh, oh, it's kind of an adaptation. What is? But Arcane. Yeah. The League of Legends um, TV series. A lot of people joke about League of Legends. They make fun of it. It's not a great game. Yeah, it's, the, I mean, the it's studio, obviously... The studio can do can make everything else, like music. They've had... Yes, the studio makes music. They have, yeah. they have virtual bands or digital bands with characters from the game. Mm-hmm. And they make, and they actually just make music, and yeah. it's very, and they're high, it's highly successful. One of their bands has three albums mm-hmm. that charted and everything, and and then they can make really good animation, but they cannot make a good game. I bet. So they just <laughs> recently announced that Arcane, the TV show, is now canon to the League of Legends lore, and I can't help but wonder if they did that so that <laughs> League of Legends can now be cooler. It's like, oh, this show was so successful. By the way, not that we thought of the, about this until literally just now. I wouldn't um, say that the show is a, the show is canon to the game to the game's lore. You know? I wouldn't say that. It's more of like the lore was all the lore was all over the place, mm-hmm. and the, and so they kind of like co- made it cohesive with arcane and so mm-hmm. they're like here's the definitive story of these characters sure but but i don't think it was to make league of legends cool again because it already is it's one of the top online games it's um a competitive game so mm-hmm. you know it's an esports game it's yeah, like yeah. the top <clears throat> esports game mm-hmm. and so i don't i wouldn't say that it's not cool it's just that people just make fun of the studio not the, not necessarily the game I was about to say, um, I've known people who played it. Mm-hmm. I've I've literally sat in a I've literally sat in a room full of people just playing League of Legends online together. Imagine Dragons made a whole anthem for the World Championship for League of Legends for the esports. Yeah, and that's why they brought him back to do the Arcane intro theme. song, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's called the the championship is called Worlds, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the World Cup, where every time it's every time they hold it. They get they they have a band or um or a singer create an anthem for it, mm-hmm. yeah. and so that's how big it is. It's basically like the World Cup. Yeah, so Arcane was fantastic. Just rich story, great characters, great world building, cool animation, cool animation, a phenomenal soundtrack. I like how the Spider Verse animation is sort of like infiltrating everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um. I know that there are other like video game adaptations out there. I just am too tired to the try Street and Fighter think movie. of them. Eh, man, 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 we don't <laughs> need to talk about that. There was the Mortal Kombat 2021 film, which was fine. You know, a like lot of, it was. A it lot was of fans fine. had problem had a problem with it though because it's called Mortal Kombat. 
but there's, but no, there's no Mortal Kombat in it. No. Uh, there was the Twisted Metal <laughs> uh, TV series on Peacock that came out this year. Um, I know nobody else liked it. I think some. But I kind of like. But I kind of liked it. Oh, Netflix is coming out with the Devil May Cry animated mm. anime adaptation, which I'm looking forward to. They're coming out with um. Well, I I don't know if they're still doing this. This was announced years and years ago, and oh, I the haven't Metal heard Gear anything. Solid one? No. Um. With Oscar Isaac. That's still happening. Good. I know for a fact that's still happening. But they said that they wanted to do like an Assassin's Creed anime series, and but that was years ago. Like they mm. said they wanted to do that after season one of Castlevania came out. So. Who knows if that's even still a thing. We did get the Assassin's Creed film adaptation with Michael Fassbender, which you surprisingly wanted to watch with me. Um, I it looked interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it was okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, I own it. That's what <laughs> like, most of the most modern video game adaptations are, unless they're like, unless there's a few that are good. Sonic mm-hmm. the Hedgehog movie. Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Castlevania. And yeah. Arcane. And then the rest is just... It was okay. Um, the uh, Halo TV series adaptation that was just simply terrible. Don't watch. Don't watch the Halo TV series adaptation on uh, Paramount Plus. Watch Red vs. Blue instead. You'll get. <laughs> it'll be far more. The first ten seasons, arguably the first thirteen, are way better. Are way better uses of your time than the first season of the Halo TV series. Mm-hmm. Is that is that even getting a second season? It is. Oh. I don't know, like how how they made this decision, but yeah, it was bad. I watched it. Uh, I thought it was pretty bad, and I'm not, like, a huge Halo fan, even. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge Halo fan. I've played the campaigns of, um, the first four, as well as, uh, ODST and Reach. I never played Five or Infinite. Or, I, I never played Infinite's campaign. I played some of its multiplayer. But, um, I'm not even that huge of a Halo fan, nor am I too familiar with the lore, but the Halo TV series, like just diverted so far from all of that uh master chief removes his helmet at the very end of the first episode and he Ruined, like and that never ru- happens in the yeah, game ruins the mystique and he has his helmet off for like 70 percent of the show it's ridiculous it felt like it felt like they tried finding an excuse mm-hmm. for his helmet to come off like all it's the like time it's like the opposite of the mandalorian yes and that's the thing is like what they were their explanation for master chief losing the helmet all the time was because Oh, they just felt like if he always had his helmet on, it wouldn't humanize the character. We wouldn't be able to bond with him like as if he was another human being. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We were able to do this perfectly with the Mandalorian. We cared about Din Djarin, and, um, and every even time, though he had his helmet on 95% of the time. And it, but every time the helmet came off, they it was a it was like a really emotionally charged scene. Yeah, it really hits. Yeah. It really hits hard. I think the only exception is when he takes it off for a face scan yeah. in season two. But even then but... it was like it was like a big deal because it was like he the rule is that he can't take his helmet off no matter what. But yeah, he was... looks awkward the entire time. Like yeah. he looks like he looks like he's literally naked. Yeah. You know, like that's but, how awkward. But it was he feels. still emotionally charged mm-hmm. because he was choosing between his creed and saving Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So Video game adaptations, rocky, but they have been getting better lately. Yeah. So let's hope Ho- that trend continues. And hopefully more fans will be, be inspired to, you know, adapt them themselves. This year I actually saw a lot of video game ad- adaptations when you think about it. Like, 
the Mario movie, mm-hmm. um, Castlevania Nocturne, and um, Twisted Metal. You know, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And if they're willing to adapt something like Twisted Metal, then we're willing to adapt anything. Well, also, Devil May- the Devil May Cry made series, I think, is coming out this year, too, but later. Oh, okay. Or it might be coming out next year. I don't know. I'll look that with up. The, with the actors thing, go- with the actors' strike going on, so many, so many things are up in the air. Yeah, the writer's strike is over, but that doesn't really mean a whole lot. No, because it's the like, actor strike is still happening. It's like, okay, we can continue or start writing these scripts, but we can't do anything with actors. Without so. actors, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. I uh, this also... Was, I yeah. al- well, last thing, I also heard that the actors might be moving towards boycotting video games, too. I heard about that, too. I don't know if that's still a thing, but... I and heard... the visual effects team for Marvel Studios has unionized. Oh, everything is unionizing, I'm, and I'm all, here, I'm, here, I'm all here for it. <laughs> Some may disagree with you. Um, all right, well, anyway. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, I've been locked out of my laptop and I can't get back in. Okay. okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's just, this was just sort of like a fun episode. Like, I know we didn't really talk about autism, but part of the joy of, <laughs> um, of this show is uh, listening to us talk the autism to Spectrumites. Was, the autism was us talking about the nitty gritty details of video games. Yes. Sometimes we just like having conver- conversations. You get an inside look into the kinds of conversations KG and I have. Yeah. We're really not masking anything here when we, when we talk. These are the kinds of conversations we have and often. Again, and again, I wrote an entire senior seminar paper discussing the differences between Silent Hill 2 and Resident Evil. <laughs> yes, right. So they, they mean something to you. Yes. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that my autism is so powerful it infiltrates my my school assignments. Absolutely, <laughs> and video games were so the influence of video games were so powerful it hijacked my mind while I was trying to focus on homework. <laughs> well, hey, he could. The teacher said that we couldn't use books or movies for our play, for for our paper. So I'm like, next best thing, video games. She kind of made it extremely easy then, he, he. or he he made it extremely easy then for me. Mm. I don't know about everybody else, but for me, it was easy. Of course. It was also easy because I could spend, like, the first... Because it had to be 12 pages. Mm-hmm. I could spend, like, the first three or four pages talking about the plots of each game because of... <laughs> and, like, was able to, like, stretch it out. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, anyway, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you are hearing this from uh, Apple or Spotify or whatever... Uh, please go to thepancakeking.substack.com where you can subscribe to my newsletter there and you'll be notified every time a new podcast episode is out every week, um, which is every Wednesday, and a new uh, blog post every Saturday. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.